Your Sickos podcast is presented by DraftKings. While I might be a huge Ottawa Senators fan, whenever the Buffalo Bills are playing, I have to be watching the game. I also have to be betting on the game using DraftKings. New customers can now bet just $5 on any one NFL team to win their game, and if they do, will win $200 in free bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. What is up, Future Sickos listeners? Welcome to episode 24 of the Future Sickos podcast. As always, I am joined by my co-host and Derek Lee. And today we have a very special guest in Tony Carolla. He is, uh, I know, personally <laughs> one of one of my favorite uh, draft analysts. I think he has such a good read on prospects. I know whenever I have any uh, questions whatsoever, I'm doubting my ability. As I sit in the basement of my dynasty fantasy pool, I'm always shooting this guy messages and he's kind enough to to give me the grace to message me back that regardless how annoying I can be. So how are you doing, Tony? Thank you so much for coming on. I'm good. I'm good. And I, I always love when people message me about fantasy and stuff, especially now because I'm not with other prospects and that was the focus there. And I, I don't do too much fantasy focus now, but it's always fun to kind of help people out with their fantasy pools, especially in dynasty leagues where you're, you're like, man, is this is this 18 year old prospect going to be worth something in a couple of years? Like, do I hold on to him? And I'm like, no, he's garbage. Throw him out. Like, <laughs> stud Nico didn't turn out to be the stud that I thought he might be, apparently. Uh, there was a lot of people on that train that uh, I, I was gracefully never on. So Tony, uh, maybe uh, maybe for our listeners, I, I don't know that everyone is uh, aware that you've transitioned into a new role uh, since, since leaving Dauber. So um, maybe you want to give people a bit of a background as to what you're looking after now in your new position and, and what that all uh, kind of entails. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm now with the Hockey News and Sports Illustrated, which is really nice for me. It's uh, a nice step up in terms of just a, a, a bigger platform and able to get myself out there a little bit more even. And it, it's been great since I've been there uh, in the summer. I kind of I left Dauber without a plan. I'll be completely honest. I was like, all right, uh, I know I need to take the next step. I don't know what the next step is, though. So I, I thank Dauber for everything that they did for me. And they're a great outlet. And anyone that wants to start out in prospects or just wants to get involved with hockey in general, I, I'm always recommending Dauber. It's a great place to start out. But uh, I was ready for that next step. And so I just kind of left and didn't have a plan. And I, I went through my own little free agency while NHL free agency was going on, which was kind of fun because I did have a few outlets reach out and I was more than happy to join the hockey news. It's great. And I do usually a couple articles every week and then I'll do a, a video or a couple, usually about three videos a month. This month's been a little bit slower, but it's been fun. I'm focusing on the draft mostly, but it's been nice to get into more like NHL prospects. And I've been watching the AHL a lot more, which has been nice. Seems like you've been uh, really boosting Detroit lately. I don't know. Is there a special tie there? Is that is that one of your favorite teams? Have you just been a massive fan of a lot of their prospects? I, I swear every time I'm on Twitter, I see I see you pumping their tires a little bit. Man, I grew up hating the Red Wings, like absolutely despising them. Like I, I grew up a, a Leafs fan and my fandom in general has pretty much waned because of how awful that team is and how much they break your heart year after year. So I have been a big uh, Red Wings fan recently. I've watched a ton of Ottawa Senators hockey too because the prospects that they have, right? Guys like Stutzel, he was my favorite guy to watch in their draft year, so I watched a ton of him. But Lucas Raymond was the, was a guy that I actually had ranked ahead of Stutzel. He was at four, or uh, Stutzel was at four, and Raymond was at three. And for me, Stutzel or uh, Lucas Raymond was closer to 
Quentin Byfield and Alexi Lafreniere than anyone else. And he's doing a great job of proving me right so far. It's a short, short period, but there was a lot of people that kind of thought I was crazy for that. And there, admittedly, there were a couple other people on, on like Lucas Raymond as well. And, and then Moritz Sider as well is just, he was my draft baby. The first year I started, he, he kind of in his draft year and man, like I loved that German kid in his draft year and he's just dominating in the NHL. Now it's been nice seeing them both kind of step into big roles and, it's been nice, much like Stutzel last year, where he was able to step into a top six. Both of them have gotten good opportunities on that team, and they're not kind of being shorted like guys like Capo and, and Lafreniere, who I think are still incredibly good talents. But let's be honest, like they, they get third-line minutes a lot of nights, and you're seeing Kako finally get those top six minutes, and he's on a six-game-point streak. So I, I don't know, man. Maybe just play the kids more often than you play these bums that are like Barkley Goodrow. No offense to the guy, but he shouldn't be in your top six. Put Kako there, put Lafrenia there, put Stutzel there, Raymond, Sider, put them in positions to succeed, and you'll see what they do. Yeah, it feels like we've been having that same argument online as Sens fans for, I don't know, Brennan, like the last three years probably. <laughs> it's just endless. Like, play the kids, play the kids. You have the kids, play the kids. Um, but uh, going back to that draft class, that 2020 draft class, um, it's interesting that you say, you know, you had Raymond up that high. And you look back now, Lafreniere, Byfield, Raymond, Stutzla. I, I mean, it's almost like Raymond would be number one and maybe Stutzla would be number two, no? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to be hasty and make make changes, and I still would, and I think those guys are still a, a pretty solid top four uh, where they are. And I think you look at it and you go, man, like maybe they're a little bit closer than they were, but I'd still kind of have them in the same order. But yeah, if you're looking at results that we, we've been getting this year and the last couple of years, I mean, Lucas Raymond had a great year in Sweden last year. Tim Stutz looked like a force offensively last year and he struggled this year, but you're seeing things come on. He's still going through the process and making good plays. So it's not like he's been complete garbage. And uh, you look at his defensive metrics and they're a lot better this year. So there's progress there as, as well. So, yeah, I, I'd say Lucas Raymond and, and Tim Sutter have certainly been the most impressive so far from the draft class. And uh, since we're on the Timmy train, uh, we talked about it a little bit before we went live. But, uh, Tony, what's your take on Tim Stutzla as a center? Man, I, I wasn't expecting it to happen so soon. I, I do think he has the tools for it, certainly. And, and I went back and I watched, as I was telling you guys, I went back and I watched his shifts from last night when he played center. And he looked pretty good. Like, I'll be completely honest. Like, he was willing to throw the body like we talked about a little bit. It was kind of weird to see him do it because he doesn't do it a ton. But... He was willing to do it. He was getting back defensively, which was a trait that I, I, I saw a lot when he was playing in Germany in his, in his draft year. And there was every once in a while he would come back and make this miraculous defensive play. And you're like, man, just do that all the time. And you'd be like a great two way force. Like it'd be awesome. And he was doing that last night. So you kind of saw that he didn't want to give up that center position. You saw that he wanted to prove to DJ Smith that he was going to be reliable and be a, be an actual option at that center. So I like the move, and I think if you can get him online, like with Brady and, and some of these other skilled guys in the top six, Batherson, throw rotate guys in there, see what mix exactly works with him in the middle. Because with him in the middle, that's speed and, and elite passing right down the center. So you got two good wingers on on his line, and I think he can be successful. No, I I, I really I love that, and honestly, like I I think that the Stutzel switchover is something that fans have definitely hoped for and kind of envisioned. But I think you hit it right on the head when you're like, maybe not 
as soon, but I, I mean, in the really small sample size, he's definitely looking like he, he's up for it. And, you know, on that same topic of, of the 2020 draft, uh, it seems like we've talked about all, all the other guys that went in the top four. So maybe we can talk about the guy that went fifth overall and Jake Sanderson. And he he's, uh, he's really just continued to develop his game down in North Dakota. And he's adding this creative offensive element. And, you know, we talked a bit about Maurice Sider and I'm really curious uh, if you feel like Jake Sanderson's going to be kind of a similar story when he finally steps in at the end of this year and, and full-time next year for Ottawa. And it's something that Derek and I I've spoke about is I, I don't know that he's necessarily the same player as Maurice Sider, but do you feel that when he comes into Ottawa, is it going to have that same kind of immediate impact like Sider has in Detroit this season? I'm going to say no, but there's an asterisk on that. And the reason I say no is because I, I don't trust the Ottawa Senators to put him in a position that the, that the Detroit Red Wings have done with Maurice Sider. Sider's playing 22 minutes a night. Like that's not something I, I expected right away. So I didn't think he'd be able to have this impact right away, but if they put him in that position, if they put pair him with Shabbat, you put him up on the top pair and you see what he can do for a few games at the end of the year when, let's be honest, it's probably not going to matter if you win or lose, uh, get him in those positions. Then I think, yeah, he can make the same impact because I do think they're very similar players. Like if you ask me to choose between them, I'd have a really tough time and uh, I'd probably default to more outsider just because he's in the NHL already. So you can kind of see it. But honestly, like those two, they have a lot of the same traits. They're both high, high end skaters excellent defenders two of the best defensive defensemen uh, i've seen come through the draft in recent years and as you mentioned they have that creative offensive side you're seeing it with more insider a little bit in the nhl his passing is really really crisp and i think jake sanderson's more willing to kind of activate from the blue line and be a little bit more aggressive will he do that in his first few games in the nhl i don't know maybe but i think you're seeing it a ton right now in college and he's been a force like every time i catch him i'm just like oh like he's just one of the best players in college hockey hands down like there's no debating it and uh, well, speaking of debating it, um, you know, the last time we had you on here, uh, you kind of brought this up, I think yourself, and it was an Owen Power versus Jake Sanderson thing. And I thought it would be interesting to revisit that because both players are having what looks like phenomenal um, seasons, at least on paper. Now, I've watched a whole lot of Jake Sanderson and a whole little of Owen Power over in uh, Michigan, but that is a wagon over there. So I'm wondering if you think the team over there is making Power kind of look good or is he making the team look good? Um, and just how he compares to Jake Sanderson, they're actually only four months apart, it turns out. So they're actually quite close in age, despite being uh, two different draft classes. Yeah, it, it's really interesting because Owen Power was a little bit older for the class and Jake Sanderson was younger. So like you said, there's that small age gap uh, for their draft, for, for their actual age. But with, with Owen Power, I think there is some of uh, the team is just ridiculously loaded in Michigan and they're dominating every game almost that they play. But I, I Owen power has taken a step and there's no denying that this year. And I think he is getting a, to be a better prospect. And as you guys know, I was fairly low on him last year. I think I had him at four or five to end the year. And I, I never had him near one for me. It was, it just wasn't a, a stipulate like a, a thing I thought about doing even. So uh, Owen power, I think still has some issues. There's some defensive issues. I think that, you don't see with Jake Sanderson. You don't see with more outside of the, the prospects most commonly compared to him. And and you look at Owen Power and you're like, man, like he, he's improved on the fact that he's not leaning so much, just trying to poke the puck away and, and kind of use his length to a, a ridiculous degree and, and getting himself off balance. But he still does it from time to time. And, and you're seeing him not skate himself into corners as often as he was doing last year. Like he has that phenomenal skating ability. You watch him through the neutral zone. You're like, oh, damn. And then all of a sudden he ends up in the corner and you're like, oh, damn, like he's not going to do anything from there. Like it's not a good position for him to be in. And he's not doing that as much this year, but he's still doing it a bit. And like 
I think there is a lot of Kent Johnson, Matthew Beneers, Thomas Bortolo. Like th- that team is ridiculously stacked up front that that are contributing to some of the point totals. But Owen Power, to Owen Power's credit, he has improved quite a bit this year. Hey, what am I like? Just kind of a sidebar question, just because I'm I am personally huge on him. Um, how has your opinion changed, if if any, on Kent Johnson from last year to this year? Because I know last year, like watching him, I was like, oh my god, like this kid shows flashes of some of like the highest end skill that that like you can ask for in a prospect. But it, it was just that it was flashes, and then other times he was kind of invisible, and you didn't know what you were going to get. And now this year, it's like, okay, maybe this kid has figured it out, and he can consistently be in in like elite player in the NHL. I'm curious, like what what if your opinion has changed on him at all because i feel like you might have felt uh kind of similarly last year regarding him yeah i think with ken johnson last year the, the guy, i always referred to him as the video game guy he was the nhl 20 player he was the guy that you'd watch and you're like man you can do that in a video game but you can't do that in real life and, and there was a lot of stuff that he did in college that he was doing that stuff and you're like man like there's so much potential as you mentioned like those flashes were just brilliant like absolutely remarkable at times just some of the passes he was able to make and kind of just throwing it into a spot and a guy's there and he just seems to have that instinct. And there was a lot of questionable play as well with him literally just throwing it into space and there not being a guy there a lot of times or him kind of skating himself into problems and or him not skating himself into problems because there, there was a pace issue, I thought, with his game as well where there'd be a lot of times he's making all these fancy deeks and fancy moves and he's not going anywhere. He does it all within the face-off circle and like, yeah, like some defenders miss because they bid on some moves, but at the NHL level, he's just either going to get leveled or he's going to get the puck taken. And this year, to his credit, there is a big improvement, I think. I think he's done a fantastic job of taking a lot of that untranslatable stuff and the junior stuff, I, I call it, it, out of his game. And he's doing it a lot more efficiently, doing it with a lot more uh, pace to his game. I still think there's some some issues on on the speed he plays at, and he's going to need to bump that up. But, man, like he has really impressed me this year in, in the short period of time that I've been able to watch him. And uh, he's almost matched his point total from last year in quite a few less games. I think he's got 21 points in four. Yeah, 21 points in 14 games this year. Last year he had 27 and 26. So he's on a better point per game rate. He's he's clearly almost going to match his total in a few games, most likely. And man, like he's taking a step. And I think Columbus is kind of pretty happy they took him at fifth overall. Well, and I mean, Cylinder's looking like a great pick for them at oh. at uh, eleven slash twelve as well. So they they did, and maybe of course, in Coolman's could could turn into something pretty cool there too. So yeah, I think they did all right. Man, Columbus had a great draft last year. That like you can't draft judge a draft right right away, and I'm maybe you can sometimes, and I'm sure we'll talk <laughs> about that in a few minutes uh, with the Senators. But with with Columbus, you look at it, and you're like, oh damn, like that's a that's a class, like that's. You look at it and you're like, there's a ton of potential. Like, even if two guys hit, you could have a great outstanding class. Hey, and I, that's where I wanted to go next, Tony. I mean, um, unfortunately, we have to go there. But uh, there's been a lot of hot takes on this. And like you said, it's very, very premature to judge. But at the same time, like, Ottawa made a lot of head-scratching decisions, particularly at 10th overall, but also, like, just basically throughout the entire draft last year. Even Brennan and I were... You know, we were dumbfounded when they made the, the Boucher pick. We were just so shocked. And, and it's nothing, you know, no disrespect to Boucher. But uh, I'm just curious, what is your thought at this point on the Senators' uh, 21 NHL draft? Did they just, I, I don't know what they were thinking. What, 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 what do you have to tell us about it? Well, I, I think the big thing I'm, I'm going to start with is, is Tyler Boucher. And I, I didn't dislike Tyler Boucher as a player. I think he is a good, a very good player. 
I, I also didn't have him near my first round, really. So it was a shock for me. And I look at the Senators taking him and I go like Cole Sillinger was literally right there. And that's everything you could want in Tyler Boucher and so much more because of the offensive pop with his shot, especially. I, I just didn't understand the pick. I, I, I still don't quite understand the pick. And I've, I've watched Tyler Boucher a couple of times since the season started. And he he's looks like a guy in college, I guess. Like he's not bad, but he's certainly not blowing the doors off. Um, I, I think there's a ton of potential there for him to be a, a really good third line guy. But is that who you want at 10th overall? Like, I, I just don't know. And you go through their class and Zach, Zach Ostapchuk, like he was the guy I really liked. But again, it was like, 30 40 picks ahead of where i'd like start to think about him probably benjamin roger i'm gonna be straight with you i had no what idea what they were doing with this pick i I don't know he got traded today in the ohl for a couple picks and cool like that's he's a big big defenseman and maybe he pans out to be that third pairing guy and and looks like a a better pick in in five years and that's kind of what you're hoping for with him oliver johansson i actually really liked i think that was a really good pick 74 again 74 maybe a little bit too high but i I'm at least thinking about him in that range. And, yeah. <laughs> and, then as you, and, and then as you go, go down the list, Chandler Romero, Romeo, Carson Latimer, you're like, oh, okay. Like they're, they're picks outside of 100. So you can kind of go wherever, in my opinion on those. And I'm not going to harp on them too much for that, but yeah, those first four picks, you, you kind of scratched your head as to what they were doing, especially the top three. Yeah, no doubt. And while we're still on that draft uh, specifically, there's a kid I wanted to to mention um, that went undrafted completely, who's kind of tearing the league apart right now uh, in Tucker Robertson. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to uh, to catch up on his game, but do you think there's like a slew of players, maybe you know even a few more that might actually get drafted this year who were missed last year because uh, they just didn't get to play? Oh, yeah, I think this year you're going to have a ton of overagers from the OHL. And I think Tucker Robertson is leading the way kind of right now. And because he has this ridiculous production, I think he's like tied for the league lead, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, 34 points in 17 games, 15 goals. Like you're, you're looking at this kid and you're like, what happened over that year where you weren't playing? Because he's 5'10", 190. He's a big, thick guy, likes to get in physical in the, in the physical game. I think there are some tools issues. I think the skating is going to need some work. There's there's a, a pretty big red flag there. Um, sometimes it looks like he's skating in sand. It's it's a little bit less graceful than you'd like to see, but the production's ridiculous. He's not really like a super duper old player. He's June 2002 or June 22nd, 2003. So he's not like ridiculously old for the draft class, even as a, a first year overager. And, and you look at him and you go, maybe I don't go for him in the first round. But this is the kind of guy that, like, if the Senators did take in the first round, I wouldn't be shocked at after Tyler Boucher went last year. And, and you know what? Like, this would be a better bet than Tyler Boucher, I think. If you're saying, say you have that 15 20, I, I wouldn't make the pick, but I'd make that pick over Tyler Boucher. So it, it's going to be really interesting. And yeah, like you said, the OHL is going to be loaded with guys that are kind of coming out from not playing last year after playing a 15 year old season or 16 year old season, sorry, where like they had. 11 points in, in 60 games. And, and then they're going to pop off for a point of game pace this year. I, I think it's, it's super interesting because even last year, that was one thing that I, I was kind of wondering about Ottawa's strategy. And I'm sure that there are other teams that did it as well. Like they drafted four guys from the CHL with six picks where that actually is like quite high for them because the year before that they only selected two guys from the CHL when they had 10 picks. So I, I think it kind of just goes to show that, um, I mean, maybe teams were kind of taking chances on low sample size and maybe trying to hit home runs. And 
Um, it maybe didn't work out quite so well for Ottawa in terms of the sample size, but um, definitely interesting. And, you know, one thing that I think uh, is kind of surprising, at least from Derek and I's perspective, is to be talking about potentially having a high pick in the 2022 draft for the Ottawa Senators in November. Um, I, I think that we definitely had a lot higher expectations going into this season. And now um, it's, it's becoming a conversation that is totally justifiable to have. So just uh, generally speaking, kind of, kind of off the bat, Tony, I know like looking at this draft, there seems to already be like a lot of players that are really jumping out. Obviously there's the rights and the Savoys who have been known for a, a couple of years now. And um, a lot of other players as well that are really climbing up, but um, maybe if you just want to speak about like the strength of the draft and, and how kind of what that first tier you think would look like um, at, at that beginning, because to me personally, it's kind of reminding me of 2020 all over again with uh, the high level talent at, at the top. Yeah, 2022 is a really, really good year. I think it's it reminds me a lot of 2020, 2019, where you had two really, really high end drafts. And after last year, where it was kind of a down year, you, you, I don't think anyone was like looking at that draft last year and going, man, this is going to change our franchise as much as many teams would probably want it to. Um, this year, like there's probably a few teams that are going to have their franchise altered pretty big. Uh, like you're looking at players like Shane Wright, Matthew Savoy, I think right at the top. Uh, Wright's probably in a tier of his own still. I, I still have faith in him. He had a slow start, but he's picked it up pretty pretty good recently, and he's back up well over point a game now. So you're just waiting for him to really kind of hit that gear. And he hasn't played really in 18 months outside of the U18. So you give him a pass because all the tools are there. He's still a dominant two-way force. He's uh, one of the best defensive players in this draft as a center, and he's also putting up pretty good offensive numbers too. So you're looking at him, and you're like, man, like that's a, a, a player that can really alter our franchise. And and then you got Matthew Savoy, Danilo Yurov, who are two incredibly highly skilled players. Uh, the the NTDP team in Plymouth has got a ton of players. Logan Cooley, Frank Nazar, Seamus Casey. Like you can just go down the list and their rosters. It's going to be very not necessarily with the Jack Hughes of the group, but it's going to be similar to that year where you could have five, six guys go in the first round. I, I could see, or, or in like the top three rounds, you're going to have like half the roster drafted. It's going to be pretty impressive for that NTDP team. And then you got the Finnish kids, Joachim Kamel, Brad Lambert. Everyone's kind of souring on Brad Lambert, but I, I'm not saying it now, but there's a lot of similarities to kind of what happened with Tim Stutzel. There, or not Tim Stutzel, uh, Lucas Raymond, sorry, where, yeah, like the, the production isn't necessarily there and you're kind of worried about that a little bit, but there's so many tools that are, are showing themselves and there's so much that you're going, man, like he's right there. He's about to pop and, and, do, do you give him more minutes? Do you, what do you do to get him there? I don't know. Maybe he needs some more junior time. I, I really don't know, but I would love to see this kid really fi finally use all those tools and put it together. Kind of the way we've seen Lucas Raymond do over the last two years between Sweden and the NHL now. And and then you have Joachim Kamel, who's not necessarily as toolsy, but he's putting up ridiculous numbers in, in the Liga, putting up a point a game. He was leading in the league, league in goals when he got hurt. And you were like, man, like what is going on with this kid? And you look and he's got a 30% shooting percentage. So that's probably going to go down eventually and stuff, but he's got a hell like, of a shot though. <laughs> yeah. He's got a hell of a shot. So you're like, how far is it going to go down? Like, is he going to finish the year at 21? Like that's still going to have a ridiculous goal total. So you look at him, you look at guys like that. And then you have some defensemen. Like uh, I mentioned Seamus Casey, Simo Nemec, uh, David Juracek, Ty Nelson, you go down the list. Like there's a lot of intriguing players. Like, I look on my rankings right now that I haven't been released yet or anything. And I'm just kind of going down the list and I'm like, I'm at like 25, 26. And I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty good player. Like I, I, I don't mean to like harp on it, but I'm, I'm looking at guys that I'd take over someone like Tyler Boucher last year. And like, 
I could easily go 25, 30 deep. And, and you look at guys that in this draft class who you're like, man, like these are legitimately options that in the top 15, like there's probably 30 guys. So it's a really, really good draft. It's deep. It's high end at the top. Like this is a pretty ridiculous draft and uh, that I compare to 2019, probably in terms of talent and depth. But man, 2023 is going to be even even grosser. So like as as excited as I am this year, I'm like next year is going to be sick too. One, so one you're telling us it's a good time to suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just suck for a couple more years, Ottawa. Summers, like, <laughs> oh, next year, next year is like it's it's hard. Like when you look at like those top three, oh, top four, and it's like oh my god, like all of those guys, like there could be four guys that are are franchise players in 2023, which is it's crazy. I know for my dynasty league, I'm just going to hover around the bottom. But I'm curious. Uh, so sorry, just on that note. So one of the big things uh, kind of about like the, the most recent drafts, so the 2021 draft, is that there was kind of like when you were looking at it, I, I, I don't know that there was really like a legitimate number one C option. Like, like when you're looking at um, the, the guys that went last season, I don't know if there was anyone who it kind of projects to be a top line center. I, I mean, Mason McTavish, maybe Matty Beniers, I think like could, could be a first line center, probably not like a first line scoring center, but could be up there. And maybe, maybe some other guys that, that went later that are kind of more of like a hit, but, but not kind of at that top of the draft where you're like, Oh wow. Yeah. Like we're getting a, a one C here. So I'm curious, uh, Tony, look, looking at this draft, there looks to be some legitimate, uh, center talent like obviously we know that in Shane Wright it looks like uh, Savoy depending and I, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on whether or not you think he's going to be able to play center at the next level but it, it seems like he could be an option Logan Cooley is looking like he is pretty cool um, I, I know that uh, Connor Geeky as well like there, there might even be talk about him and I'm curious like of those guys how many you think could potentially be like project as le- legitimate uh, first line centers well I'll say I I look at Shane Wright and Matthew Savoy and I go, those, those are going to be two top line centers. Probably. I think those guys are are going to be centers at the next level. And I think they're going to be high end centers at the next level. You look at a, a guy like Logan Cooley and you're like, yeah, I think him, Brad Lambert, uh, guys like even Noah Ausland uh, a little bit further down the list. I think they've got the potential to be top line centers, but if they end up being pretty good number twos, I don't think you're complaining really. It, it's not, a, a true number one center is very rare. So I think there are probably two true number one centers in this draft. And then there are a bunch of guys that I think legitimately have shots to be number one centers because you don't necessarily have that in most drafts where I think you look at a guy like Mason McTavish, even and you're like, yeah, he can play center, but I, I, like, I have a feeling he's going to end up on the right wing or something, right? Like, uh, or if he is a center, like he's probably a number two, like you don't really get that, that upper level. Um, and I think there's a lot of guys like that in this draft where, yeah, could Frank Nazar maybe even like pop and, and go up there? Cause he's a guy I love. Like this is one of my favorite players in the draft and he's playing center. He he's got the talent. He's got the speed. He's got the, uh, the two way game to do it. Can he be a number one? Like that, that's going to be a question. And, and I don't expect five number ones to come out of this draft, but there's the two up top and then I maybe one or two more, maybe. Tony, uh, going back to Brad Lambert for a minute. Um, last year we saw a player like Atu Ratty slide, I know in years past, we've seen uh, even Oliver Shillington, like going way back. These are players that were like already established household names, if you will, from the world juniors. Um, And they really slid. Could you see this happening with Brad Lambert, like really sliding kind of outside the top 15? Or is that like, no way. 
No, I can see it for sure. Like we watched Atu Radu go from the top pick at the start of the year to 52nd, I think, to the Islanders. Like, I, I don't know if there's going to be that fall. I think he's probably still going to be a first rounder. The tools are pretty ridiculous on this kid. And that's kind of the difference between him and those two guys is while they were very good players, they're, 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 prospect was based on their maturity and their ability to kind of like look like a pro already whereas brad lambert you're projecting a lot of his tools to be that 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 guy so you're you're gonna there's gonna be projection as as it is with him so you're kind of more willing to take that risk in the first round because of the tools so i think brad lambert yeah i can see him falling to say 21 or something like that and i think it'd be hilarious because like i said like you're looking at a guy who much like i don't think it's to the same degree as lucas raymond in his draft year but there's a lot of the similarities where like, it's like, man, like you're seeing the everything there. Like you're seeing him make certain passes that a lot of players can't make. And then his teammate doesn't cash in on it or something, or, or he's just like a couple inches off. And you're like, man, like give him a summer to refine that, like let him kind of figure it out. And I, I know there's been some health issues in, in Finland up and down on that team and, and COVID involved and stuff. So maybe that's affecting things as well. Like, this is st- we're still going to be affected by COVID this year. Like we're, it's going to happen. Like it's, we've seen it in the NHL as Ottawa Senators fans, you guys have seen it the most, I think. And it's, it sucks and it's affecting draft eligible talent too. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if COVID's or something's going on with that Yip team in, in Yveskala because they've had issues where they've had to go up and down with their team. So maybe that's affecting him too. I'm not hundred percent sure, but interviewing him earlier this year, he he's a guy that like, he has the drive. He has that passion, that, that, desire to be a really high-end player and the way he thinks the game i think like there's a lot to like there so it's just going to be about developing him and letting him get to that next level i i, I think that's a really interesting like it, it, i think it's it, I, a huge thing to remember like the covid factor and it's something that like i'm really curious about like shane wright i think is probably the most like prominent example but just having that year off in like such a crucial year it, for development, like how it like impacts these players or if they didn't have that year off, like having their schedules t- like changed or like just having that kind of like, it, like it, it, it's a massive hook in, in so many of these players kind of development curves. And it, it's really like, I'm super curious to see, like, if you look five years down the road, like how it impacted certain players. And I, I don't know, like if there's different misses and things associated with it, but kind of just a sidebar, but I, I, li- I like that you've brought that up because it's something that, I think is like pretty easy to forget about, um, especially with Shane Wright. Yeah, I mean, you look right now and like Marco Rossi, we all read the story in the summer about how, how hard COVID hit him and he thought he was going to die at one point. Like he legitimately did. And like, that's how hard it hit him. And now you look at him, he's putting up over a point a game in the AHL. Like he's playing outstanding. I, I, I've loved his game so far this year. So like, but it took him a year to get back to that point. Like he, he hadn't played since the world juniors. So it's like, man, like, Things, things are going to affect these kids still. And, and a lot of time when you're draft eligible, let's be honest, hockey culture isn't always the, the most accepting of having to deal with issues. And sometimes they're like, man, just play through it. Like, I don't know if you guys have listened to Steve Dangle's podcast. It's a Leafs podcast, so probably not a ton in the Senators, right. Senators world. But... I'm going to cut this part out, but sorry. That's okay. He had Frank Corrado on, who was playing in the KHL, and they were talking about a story about how he had a hip injury and they're like, all right, take five days. And, and on the third day they go, all right, you got to get on the ice. And he's like, I thought I had five. And he, they're like, no, you got to get on. So he get on, he push himself. And even he said like the hockey culture does, lets you do that. And then it's still hurting him. And Hey, well give yourself seven days. And, and on the fifth day, they say, Oh, you got to come back. Like the KHL, European hockey, Canadian hockey. It's all kind of doing that, especially when you're not in the NHL where you're able to afford that high, high end treatment. 
So a lot of guys are probably putting themselves through it even after dealing with a COVID issue. And I'm not saying that Brad Lambert is or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm sure there's players going through things. Like for instance, I know Rucker McGrory, he's fallen on a lot of draft lists into the second round, but right now he's playing with like a wrapped up wrist. Like he's not playing super healthy. Like there's issues there with fractures and stuff and he's just playing through it. And to his credit, he's still putting up great points. Wow. Questioning the process and stuff, but the points are still coming and that's what you look for with a guy like that. So like guys are playing through stuff. Hockey culture always makes you do it. And and let's be honest, like even when we're at high school athletes and stuff like that, like we're like, man, you just gotta, you gotta play through that, that sprained ankle because maybe that, that scouts out there and I'll make it to the NFL or something stupid. We all had those dreams in high school. And, and a lot of these guys legitimately have shots at those dreams now. So I'm not shocked. Some guys are probably going to play through stuff. Canadian badminton team. That was my, my big goal, but um, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious, Tony. So um, and, and honestly, like it's a great point. And Mar- Marco Rossi, kind of just to talk on that um, a little bit too. Like you look at a guy who we're, we're talking about conditioning, uh, probably was in some of the best shape out of any prospect, like any any eighteen year old. Like some of these workouts that this guy was doing, and the fact that like COVID hit him like a truck. So it kind of just goes to show that it doesn't discriminate, and anyone can kind of be put into that situation. Uh, one thing that I do kind of want to loop back to is, is uh, Brad Lambert, because that, that was kind of what started this conversation. So I'm curious, Tony, if you were in a position where you're you're working or, or someone, an NH team calls you and you're, you're picking for the Leafs and they're, they're saying, okay, Tony, like it's, it's between these two guys um, and, and it's between Brad Lambert and it's between um, jo- Joachim Kemmel. Uh, and they're picking who, who would be your choice between those two players right now. And um, obviously with the start to the season that Kemmel's had, he's, he's making a pretty good case to climb those rankings, but I'm curious, like comparing those two players who, who you prefer and why would they be higher on your list right now? Uh, you're, you have no idea how big the stupid smile on my face is because I knew this was coming. Um, but honestly, like this is a really tough one because on my rankings, even they're back to back right now. And I am going to go against what I have currently on my list. And I'm, I'm going to say Brad Lambert. And that's probably not the popular choice between the two. Um, but I think when you look at what Brad Lambert's doing to not get points, it's better than what Joachim Kamel is doing to get points. And I think Kamel has the better shot. There's no doubt about that. I think his shot's like ridiculous. It's one of the best in the draft, if not the best. But then you look at every other tool, every other thing that affects the game you're like okay brad lambert beats him defensively he beats him in transition he beats him as a passer he beats him as a play driver he beats him here 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 and here but he's not necessarily scoring and he's not getting the points and i i have a gut feeling and this is not necessarily the most accurate scouting tool in the world so like take it with a grain of salt but you you look at brad lambert and you go he if you just watch these two without watching any of their goals or points you would look at Brad Lambert and go, okay, he's the one that's leading the Liga in scoring. He's the one that's pushing the the pace and driving play. And then you look at their stats and you're like, oh, that's confusing. Why? And it, there's still a lot going on this year that's going to be able to kind of differentiate those two. And I'd love to see them both on the World Junior team. I don't know if we're going to necessarily get to see that, but I would love to see it. Um, but I think that along with the rest of the season and hopefully both of them are playing in the Liga, conveniently they play on the same team. Um, it's going to be really fun to watch because you're seeing both of them kind of alternate getting the, the roles up in the top of the lineup. And it's still kind of going to be interesting because like I said, Brad Lambert beats him in every tool. So sometimes the scoring does lie. And I have a feeling this is one of those cases. All right. And uh, Tony, 
to get you on another sort of comparable, kind of similar, but right at the top of the draft, um, we got Shane Wright. And I think most people have Matthew Savoy second. Um, I know you're really high on Matthew Savoy. Um, so right now, I think the easy choice is Shane Wright, just because he kind of does everything well. But uh, if you were to make a case for Matthew Savoy to be first overall, what would that case be? Um, he's more electric, he's more cerebral, and he's more willing to try stuff. And when I say that, I mean, he's more willing to kind of make the extra effort on the play in terms of being offensively creative. Uh, he's got more of that Mitch Marner, Tim Stutzel, uh, Lucas Raymond type creativity to his game where he's going to turn something into nothing more times than not. And you look at him and you're like, yeah, he's a little bit undersized, but man, he's a little bit, he's stocky. He he plays a good, strong defensive game most of the time. I still think he needs improvement because I, like most kids his age, sometimes his brain just shuts off and his controller doesn't work at all in the defensive zone. And, and that happens with almost every player that his age that isn't Shane Wright. So you're looking at all these these tools and it's kind of maybe similar to the Lambert Kamel conversation where you're like, man, Savoy beats him in a lot of tools. Like he's a better skater. I think he's even maybe a better passer. So I think you're looking at him and you go, man, like, there's potential for him to be the better player in the long run. I think Shane Wright's probably still the safer bet, but man, like Savoy for me is, is currently in a, a tier with just one other guy at the top of the draft other than Shane Wright. And do, at, at the end of the day, like, let's say that if you were to try to call it right now, let's say we're in Vegas and I was giving you just ridiculous odds. Um, if, if there's a player when they finish their career, that that's going to have more points. It would just, just from a point perspective, not championships, because I, I do think personally that writes a more uh, plays more of a full game. Who, who do you think it is between Wright and Savoy? I'd be willing to bet on Savoy for that. Just if we're going on just a points per like, point basis then sure why not like i think he, he is more dynamic he's got some of that offensive creativity like you, you look at the leafs for the for instance the last few years mitch marner is the one that generally leads them in points despite the fact that we all know austin matthews is the best player on that team by far um you, you look at most teams and they have a guy like that like for the longest time you look at the the chicago blackhawks and you're like yeah patrick kane leads the team in points but jonathan taze is the guy that's leading the team to the playoffs and, and there's there's cases like that all over the nhl so i wouldn't be shocked if these two are one of those Tony, uh, last year when we had you on, you gave us, um, you provided us with details around Fabian Lucell um, and, you know, what his game was like. And I know I got right uh, right on that uh, wagon right away and started watching him play. And I was blown away. I thought he was uh, one of the best players in the draft class. I still think that despite whatever's going on right now. But uh, uh, how about this coming draft class do you have a player that's kind of outside maybe outside the mix that is really popping for you this early uh i'm gonna go with frank nazar because i have him absurdly high compared to most people um right now i have him at number five which is probably a little bit ridiculous i'll i'll, I'll even admit to that but the the way this guy plays the pace and, and it's a lot similar to the way i look at fabian lee last year you, you look at the pace this the, the ability to kind of just diagnose the defense and attack its weakness in, in an instant um, I love the fact that Frank Nazar plays center as well. Like he's not a winger like Fabian Lucell was last year. He's he's my dark horse as a guy that when you asked earlier who could be a number one center from this group, I think Frank Nazar has just as good a shot as anyone outside those top two guys. And I think Frank Nazar has the 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 creativity, the just the flair to to be the guy that you look at and you're like, man, like this is a guy that we didn't expect to be our number one center, but he has become our number one center in a pinch. And you, 
maybe he never becomes that high, high end number one center. But like you look at the senators and say he he ends up being drafted there. I could see him being the number one center on this, on the senators in, in a few years. Is he going to need a couple years in college or a year in college? Probably. Like I wouldn't be shocked to see him take the Jake Sanderson type route where he goes to college for a couple years joins the league and, and just becomes a force right away, which is what I kind of expect for Sanderson. Like I said, if they give him the opportunity and with Frank Nazar, it's going to be the same thing. If they put him in the top six, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him earn a, a, a top line role and then probably a top line center role, even with Zens. And, uh, and quickly, uh, what, what is your take on Fabian Lucell right now? Uh, just, just to get that off quickly. Cause I, he just got fourth lined, I believe uh, just, uh, just this past week. So what's going on there? Do you think? Oh, Fabian Sell. He's such a highly skilled player, but he can be kind of a dickhead. And and that's kind of what <laughs> we're kind of that's kind of what we're coming to right now. And I don't maybe you have to beep that. I'm sorry for any of the children that are listening. Um, but yeah, he's he's got some attitude, and there's no doubt about that. But with that said, he's also a point of game player in the WHL right now. So you put him on the fourth line as much as you want, he's just gonna get angry and, and produce there. And you watch this kid when he plays with 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 his temper, you watch him when he plays kind of on the edge of of losing it and sometimes that's some of his best hockey so maybe maybe he's this guy that you need to push you gotta necessarily kind of invigorate his game with something and right now toss him on the fourth line i've seen him in whl for a couple games this year i'm not gonna lie and pretend i've watched every one of them but he's looked good and and you you watched him last year a little bit with with forlunda and he looked good there and I think he's going to be a really good player. I, I think he's going to be a guy that you look at and you're like, man, how did Boston get him where they got him at 21, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. it's, we're looking at a guy that I'm not saying he's David Pasternak or something, but David Pasternak was drafted later because he was this weird guy from Europe. And a lot of times, even though he's Swedish, he's still a weird guy from Europe that has a little bit of a, an attitude issue that you're not used to probably seeing with a lot of the Swedes. Like you look at Swedes and generally they're the nice guy with no temper, no, not going to worry about them. They're safe guys. Whereas he's a little bit more of a, a guy that likes to push people's buttons and, and knows he's got this incredible skill. So put him in position to succeed with that. And I, I think you, you need to play this kid high in the lineup and the higher in the lineup you play him, the better he's going to play. No, I, I mean, I think what what better place to kind of uh, tame that steed than Boston, really? Because, like, I, I mean, like like you said as well, like Pasternak, and like even personality wise, like seems like a kind of a, a similar guy, and um, and in the tool set of, of what they offer. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it makes sense, and I, I think he's going to be just an absolute great pick at at twenty two there. Um, kind of moving in, I wanted to get back to your your comments on Nazar because I, I saw. Um, before that you were really big on him. And I, I've watched some of the USNDP games and he's been someone that has stood out to me as well. Like I, I've been um, really high on him. I, I think that he might have more upside than Cooley. I think that it is definitely a conversation we can get into. But um, something that I'm curious is if, uh, Tony, you could kind of give us your rankings of that USNDP uh, team. Because like you said, it, it's kind of similar to 2019, uh, aside from Jack Hughes. <laughs> except this version of Jack Hughes. So maybe it's not all that different, but, uh, but I, at the end of the day, like, like there's just, there's so many guys um, who you look at and, and they're, they're talented players and they could probably go in a bunch of different orders depending on, on who they are. So I'm curious if, if maybe you could kind of give us your run through of, of the top five and um, whether it be like Cooley, Nazar, I, I think maybe even Howard might be in there and, and kind of how you rank those guys and what you think they bring um, and, and what they could look like at that NHL level. 
Yeah, I'll go through them real quick because I love this team. This is, I probably watch them more often than any other team. I'll be completely honest. But in fairness, they also have an entire team full of draft eligibles. So that's my excuse, and that's what I'm sticking to. Um, but Logan Cooley is just a really high-end player in every area of the ice. Like, you look at him and you go, man, like, he's going to be an NHLer. He's going to be a high-end NHLer. You don't know if he's going to be a top-line guy, like I said, but if he's your second-line center, I think you're laughing because he's got the ability to kind of contribute in every way. And then you have Frank Nazar, who I do have is right behind him on, on my board at four or five. And I, I think Frank Nazar is just this unreal dynamic offensive talent. I think he's got the ability to be a good two-way guy. I think we I talked to him earlier this season and he talked about how he's been working on his two-way game because he knows to play center, like you have to play that way. And and he's done a good job of it so far. Seamus Casey's a guy that I have in my top 10 as well as their top defenseman, right-handed shot. Uh, he's a guy that I think has so much offensive potential from that blue line. He's, again, not a big guy, so teams are probably going to shy away from him a little bit because of that. But he's got all this creativity and ability to kind of just break in off the blue line. His defensive games improved this year from last year. I thought last year there was a lot of holes in his defensive game, and this year he's seemingly figured out that he doesn't need to be this physical force. He can use his stick, lead with that, and, and go with the skill and outskill in a guy as he's attacking you. And I, I've really liked what I've seen. And Isaac Howard has got a lot of tools, and he doesn't quite put it together. He's still producing, which is good. But you're, you're like, man, like there's stuff that he can do that he's not necessarily doing or, or stuff that you expect him to be able to do because of his tools that you're like, okay, when are you going to pick up this trait or when are you going to pick up this tactic? And there's a lot to like there. So I think he's going to be a pretty high end guy. Uh, Lane Hudson and Tyler Duke are, are two toolsy defensemen that I think kind of on the opposite ends of things where I think Lane Hudson's got all this flash and flair and willingness to activate off the blue line, act as a fourth forward at times and just be this dynamic presence. Whereas Tyler Duke is, willing to do that but he does he picks his spots a little bit better i think i think he's a little bit more reserved his defensive game is definitely predicated on positioning and stuff because he is smaller and so is lane hudson they've got a pretty small defensive group this year but the the skill is pretty unreal uh you go down the list and you got rucker mcgordy who like i said he's got this unreal shot uh he's got a ton of offensive potential but he's playing hurt right now so you're kind of questioning all right what are you going to be able to do once you're healthy jimmy snuggerud uh, just at the four nations uh, last week or the week before he put up a four goal game that was just seemed seamless. Like he was able to score in four different ways. He's a really an interesting offensive player. There's some translatability issues, I think to his game. And I think you got to kind of knock some things out of him. but he's going to go to college and you got some time with that. Uh, Maddox Fleming, Ryan Chesley, Charlie Letty, Cruz Lucius. Like you can go down this list and there's a lot of really intriguing players. Even guys on the bottom end of the roster, like Cole Knubel, I think is a really interesting guy who's played a few games for them. Brady Burrard, uh, Brett Burrard's older brother, who's a little bit bigger than Brett Burrard, but they play very similarly. So you're, you're looking at this, this roster and you're like, man, like going down the list, there's a lot of guys to like. I think my favorite thing about their roster is the fact that they have two defensemen named Seamus because I, I think that name just needs to come back. We need way more Seamuses around. Yeah, Seamus Casey and, and Seamus. Seamus. Oh, I can't even say yeah, it yeah. I was going to say, it's definitely Seamus. <laughs> yeah, and then Seamus Powell's, uh, Eamon Powell's uh, younger brother who was on the team a couple years ago who was drafted pretty high. So, man, like this team's got a lot of players that have relatability. Merrick Hayduke, Mer uh, the son of... Uh, the hey duke we all grew up watching play for the avalanche so like Elon. there's a lot yeah. of yeah there's a lot of like bloodlines on this team but there's a lot of like just really high-end talent as well hey what are what are your takes on uh simon nemec i know you brought him up a little bit earlier uh do you think he's the first defenseman that gets drafted this year if i had the choice no but probably i think he he and i, I i've watched him recently and his his uh 
game has improved. I think, I think maybe I just watched a bad game or two at the start of the year, but he is a guy that has all these tools and you look at a guy like, uh, Grant Clark from last year and you're like, okay, there's a lot of similarities to the way they play the game. I think Namek's a, a better skater in terms of form and in his ability to kind of actually look like a good skater. Cause as much as I think, uh, Brandon Clark's four-way mobility was perfectly fine. I, I was fine with the way he skated. It looked like crap sometimes. Like he was very ugly skater. But Nemec is a, a better-looking skater. He's a better skater overall. And, and but I think he has a lot of the same traits. You got to work on some of the the decision making on on breakout passes. I think is a big area. I think his transition game when he's got the puck on the stick is great. When he doesn't, he doesn't do anything. So it's kind of questionable. Like he doesn't support the puck all that much uh, in transition at times. And when he's trying to make a breakout pass, he goes for that home run far too often and ends icing the puck. Like there was one game I was watching where he had, I think he had six icings himself and it was like through two periods. And I'm like, all right, I'm done watching this game. Cause I can't watch him just ice the puck all day. So the, the tools are there. I think he's going to be a really high end defenseman if he can get to the rounding everything out. But yeah, like there's, there's a few defensemen in this draft where I think everyone's kind of still questioning who the top guy is, but I do think Nemec is the guy leading on most lists. All right, Tony. Um, Earlier in the year, we were, I think all three of us were probably watching the same game. We were watching uh, Matt Savoy, Connor Geeky, and uh, one player that stood out for us that wasn't either of those players was uh, Denton Matichuk. Um, I know he's a player that you really like. Right now, he's probably a, a mid to late first rounder, but uh, what do you like about his game? The creativity, his willingness to like do something that you haven't seen before. Um, there, there was one play last year, even like in his D minus one, where I, I remember distinctly, he was kind of taking the puck laterally across the ice. And as the defenders coming at him, he just banks it off the sideboards from about the center ice dot. And you're like, what is he doing? And then he just banks it into space for himself. And it was like, I I've never seen a defenseman do that, especially laterally the way he was doing it. And he's such a, an interesting player that's willing to just attack off the point and, you question some of his defensive tendencies because he he likes to to get in there physically and step up on a guy, but he's not very big. So you question, okay, if that's Sidney Crosby coming down the wing or if that's Nathan McKinnon charging down at him and he steps up to, to try to physically confront them, they're probably just going to go through him. I'll be completely honest. Like he's not that big. He is a little bit stout. So you, there is some strength there, but I think he needs to learn to outskill guys a little bit more often defensively, but the creativity, the offensive instincts, the the power play potential with this kid. Uh, he's one of my favorite defensemen in the draft to watch. And I think he's going to have a really nice career as a power play guy. It, it's going to be what can you kind of round out your game to be at five and five? That's going to be the big question with him. Yeah, I was just I was so impressed by just how involved in every single play he was. It seemed like every time I try to watch Savoy or Geeky, it, my eyes just kind of shifted over to Matichuk every time because he was just all over it. He, he involved himself. And like you said, sometimes he probably shouldn't have involved himself in the play. And, and there was certainly a few examples of that, but at the same time, he was just all over the ice. Yeah. He's just so fun to watch. Like he's like you said, involvement is the big thing with him. One guy who I'm having a bit of a tough time getting a read on and I'm, I'm seeing him really kind of go um, every like direction, depending on whose rankings you're looking at um, is I Ivan uh, Miroshnikenko. I can, I can it's Ivan Miroshnikenko. 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 We got you. All right. That's got got I, I can't even say Seamus apparently. <laughs> So let, let's uh let's just call him Ivan. Um, so I'm curious. I'm curious, Tony. What like 
what what's your read on him? Like what what like what do you see this kid turning into? And and what like do you think that he's something special? Do you think he deserves to kind of be at that top of the conversation, or do you think maybe around that ten mark is kind of suits him a little better? Yeah, I have him at twelve right now. I'll be honest. Like I, I'm just curious as to what what it is that a lot of people are seeing because if we're just going on this tape this year, he's been pretty bad. I'll be honest with you. Like he, he's the guy I look at and go, okay, that's the Aturati fall. Like that's the, that's the guy that I'm, I'm willing to go. Ooh, maybe he's the, the big faller of this draft because he hasn't been very good at the VHL level. Like you look historically and guys are scoring more at when they're in the same kind of regard as he, he is in the top 10 guys are doing a little bit more. And in Moroshenchenko, you look at him at the offensive game and he's a good passer. He's got a lot of these nice tools, but, there there's like a maturity to his game that you're like okay like is he done already like is there is there a next level for him to get to i think that's the big question with him because you kind of see what he is as a finished product almost and there isn't that dynamism there isn't that real next step that you're looking for him to take because he does a lot of pro tactics it's just there's not much there with it you know what i mean like it's hard to project him as a top six guy if you're looking at him and you go, man, like this is a third third line guy, yeah, I could reasonably see that. But like you, you, you have a, these other guys like Simon Nemec and and even like an Isaac Howard and Noah Noah Ausland, where you're like, man, like these guys could be better players. A Yuri Slavkovsky from from the Czech, like these guys are all skilled, and yeah, they have to round up some of the areas of their game, but they have the skill to to be that high end player. Moroshenchenko, he's got skill, but like, it's just not, doesn't seem like it's enough to really produce at the pro level. I I absolutely loved his finishing ability when I looked at some of the highlight film. Um, and early on, I said, I think I said to you, like, this is, this is the guy I really like the most early on. Um, but I'm with you. I watched uh, some of, a, a couple of his games and you have to stay up late to watch those games, by the way. But uh but yeah, watching a couple, he he really wasn't involved. And then I was a little bit confused. I was like, okay, where did these highlights even come from? Um, and then I started to to wonder the same things that you just mentioned. Is this a kid who already kind of topped out his potential? Yeah, and I think that's the question we got with Ratu last year, where it's like, all right, like, is he done? Like, is this what we're getting at the NHL level? Because, like, I don't know. And I think with Ratu this year, like, we've seen him take that next step and and now I think the Islanders are getting a top 15 pick and with, with the 52nd pick that they took Ratu with, like I kind of said last year before, uh, before the draft, I even, I, I still had him fairly high because he was doing a lot of the, those process things that I'm like, yeah, he's doing everything right. Like the scoring isn't there, but he's doing it right. And yeah, the high end skill wasn't necessarily there, but he was still doing a lot of good things. Whereas with Moroshenchenko, he's not, <laughs> you're just like, what are you doing exactly? awesome so uh one one more guy we, we might as well since we're just we're running through the list and dissecting them is I, I really want to get your your opinions on yuri because um as of late honestly and as an ottawa senators fan who i know uh, my team typically doesn't like to draft guys under six foot he's someone that i i've started to get really excited about so i'm curious to hear your opinion uh on on yuri Slavkovsky and um what you think he could bring and do you think that um, there's still room to grow even with his six foot four frame. Like, do, do you think that the upside is, is still there? Or, um, yeah, just, just kind of your opinion. I love this kid. He's so fun to watch. Like he's, he's such a blast. He's doing really well in, in the, the finished junior league and 18 points in 10 games. And, and then with the, the Liga team, he's got three assists so far and 
he hasn't looked out of place in the league. I think he's a really good player. He's got some really nice skill. There, there's stuff that he needs to work on, no doubt. I, I don't think that's that's a, a, a hidden fact. But he, he has really good finish. He's got that top six potential still. I think he he gets to those high danger areas, and he's got pretty good mobility as a as a guy who's six foot four, two twenty five. Like he's got that NHL frame already. Like I look at this kid, and I'm like, you draft him, and you're like, okay, he's going to be in our middle six. Is he going to be a top six guy? Is he going to be the, that third line guy? I don't know, but this is a guy that I, I look at and I go, man, like you look at him and Moroshnichenko and you're like, okay, there's an upside with, with Slavkovsky. Whereas with Moroshnichenko, you're like, is there? And I think that's the big differentiating factor between those two guys. So what about with him and Connor Geeky? If you were looking those two in the eye, like two, two big bodies, obviously Geeky has that ability to play center. Um, someone that we haven't really talked about much on this episode, but someone that has definitely been talked about a lot uh, recently, I know some rankings even have had him higher than Savoy, which I, I don't know if everyone agrees with. But um, I, I'm curious if you were to compare those two guys, um, and even like what what you just think of Geeky's game. Geeky's an interesting one. There's a lot to like with with some holes, like some pretty big holes. The skating needs some work. Like he, when he gets going, he can go, but it takes him a little while to get going. He doesn't quite use his frame and the length of his stride to his advantage quite yet. And I think. You take this guy and you go, if you draft him, you're like, all right, here's a skating coach to play with all summer long, five days a week. Just skate, learn, get better at efficient, like efficiently using those long strides that you have, because he could be a guy that is up the ice in three, four strides. Like you don't have to worry about that, but he's also a guy that likes to take four or five strides in the same spot because he's running on, on the ice. Like it, it looks a little funky. So I, I think there's a ton of potential there, but the skill and the hands on this kid, like I've seen him deke himself out of a phone booth. Like it, it's incredible at times that stuff he does. Uh, he's really efficient at pulling the puck out of space into space. He's, he's crazy good at using the length uh, of his stick and everything to on the shot and to manipulate there. I think the offensive game is going to be really fun for him. He's, he's going to be really good finisher at the NHL level, I think. And, it, whether or not he's the guy around the net or the guy kind of in the bumper slot in the power play, I think he's going to be a, a valuable asset there as well. And like you said, the size is intriguing. Like I've seen him skate through a guy, like through a body check while carrying the puck. Like that's just, and, and he's not going to do that at the NHL level is consistently, but like at the junior level, like he, he just goes through people. Like sometimes it's just fun to watch. And I, I do think he's pretty good. Like I have him as a top 10 ranked guy right now. I have him a little bit ahead of Slavkovsky, but I, I think he's got a ton of potential. And he's one of those guys that, like I said, I, I don't know if he's a number one center, but I think he's going to be a, a pretty high end center at the NHL level. And uh, before before we let you leave us, because I, I'm sure we could all talk about this all day. I, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, you not so much, but I know Derek and I just love having the opportunity to sit down and, and talk about this. I wonder if we if we could get your uh, Tony Ferrari's official or unofficial November 25th draft rankings, uh, but but just kind of like maybe like your top five or your top ten. Um, of who you would have as of right now uh, in that list. And maybe also like an honorable mention for like a sleeper pick. I know, I think, was it uh, or, or who? I can't remember who you gave us last Frank year. Frank Nazar. Last year was, was it Martino? I don't know if I'm saying Oh yeah, name. baby. Yeah. Martino, that's my boy. <laughs> I try to remember it. I, I noticed that he's doing pretty decently uh, in college this year too. Also, yeah. Scott Morrow is killing it. So yeah, because they're sick. Yeah, because you know what you're doing, clearly. Um, so yeah, I don't know. If you if you want to give us a, a top five ten and then another spicy pick, like like one of those that like some sleepers that are gonna go too late that should have gone earlier. All right, I'll give you a few names here. So Shane Wright's at the top, Matthew Savoy, Danilo Yurov, 
Logan Cooley, Frank Nazar, uh, Joachim Camelo, Brad Lambert, Seamus Casey, Connor Geeky, Simon Nemac, Yuri uh, Slavkovsky, David Yurichek, and Ivan Maroshnichenko kind of round out the top big group. And then there's a couple guys like Ty Nelson, uh, Isaac Howard, Noah Ausland, Denton Matejchuk, Philip Massar, right outside of that range. Um, a guy that no one's talking about except for a few people like Will Scouch and, and uh, Dylan Griffin, who I never like giving credit to because he's just such a fun guy to tease, but is Gleb Trikazov playing in Russia. This kid is ridiculous. He is so much fun to watch. If anyone gets a chance to watch Gleb play, and, yeah, his name is spelled exactly how it sounds. G-L-E-B, Gleb. Um, this kid is a ton of fun. He's just so incredibly skilled. Um, a, a guy I love, and I think he's, he's going to be creeping into my top 15, top 20, easily top 20 soon. He's just outside the top 20 right now. Um, another guy I'll give you is, is uh, Paul Ludwinski playing on Kingston with Shane Wright. And there have been many games where I've tried to watch Shane Wright and Paul Ludwinski is the better player. So it's not like he's this bum by any means. He's putting up good numbers in, in the OHL as well. I uh, really like him. Uh, Vladimir Grudenin is another Russian that I, I really like. Uh, going down the list a little bit more uh a guy like uh oh uh, vadim fatikov my boy he's five foot six and 130 pounds just the way <laughs> i like him uh realistically there's not probably not an nhl future here but this kid is just a ton of fun to watch if you get a chance to just watch him he's a buzzsaw like he's he he checks guys at five six with no with reckless abandon it's it's so entertaining to watch um, a guy further on down the list. that's a little bit more serious though. Uh, Jagger Fergus is a guy I really like playing for Moose Jaw at West. He, he just kind of seems to have the right processing of the game. He sends pucks to the middle of the ice. He understands that where the danger areas are and gets there. Uh, and he's got a really nice skill level too. Like I've seen him deep guys out of their shorts and it's really fun to watch. So him playing for Moose Jaw is another guy to, uh, to really kind of pay attention to. And hey, before we let you go, we got to do a special uh, little shout out. Uh, I know uh, someone messaged Brennan before the, sh- the show, uh, a big fan of our show and uh, a really good hockey player in himself, uh, Ethan Boyd. So uh, thanks for following the show, guys. Uh, take care, Tony. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem, guys. Always fun.